you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. This is Voss here from the com. The Chris show.com. I don't know. That's, that was a different way of doing it. Yeah, it's always unique. Anyway, guys, thanks for tuning in because what else are you going to do with your spare time? Like, seriously, this is the funnest thing you can do all day long. I tune in the Chris show and listen to whatever things I got going on here because we have the most brilliant guests. We put them in the Google machine and we go, hey, brilliant guests that wrote the amazing newest, hottest books out the presses and uh, they come to us and we have another one today. We captured him and brought him into uh, captivity so we could at least just interview him and then we'll free him because we're like that. We catch and release with the brilliant authors. Today we have an amazing author. We'll talk to him. You do see the video version of the broadcast. You can go to <laughs> youtube.com or it says Chris Voss, or you can go to Goodreads.com. You can go to both, actually. It's free in both cases. Uh, Goodreads.com, or it says Chris Voss. See everything we're reading and reviewing over there. There's a giveaway for my book as well. It's free. You can go to Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all those places that Chris Voss shows at. Those are also free. There's just so much free it's not even funny, but so we're excited to announce my new book is coming out. It's called Beacons of Leadership, Inspiring Lessons of Success in Business and Innovation. It's going to be coming out on October 5th, 2021. And I'm really excited for you to get a chance to read this book. It's filled with a multitude of my insightful stories, lessons, my life and experiences in leadership and character. I give you some of the secrets from my CEO entrepreneurial toolbox that I use to scale my business success, innovate and build a multitude of companies. I've been a CEO for, uh, what is it, like uh, 33, 35 years now. We talk about leadership, the importance of leadership, how to become a great leader, and how anyone can become a great leader as well. So you can pre-order the book right now wherever fine books are sold, but the best thing to do on getting a pre-order deal is to go to beaconsofleadership.com. That's beaconsofleadership.com. On there, you can find several packages you can take advantage of in ordering the book. And for the same price of what you can get it from someplace else like Amazon, you can get all sorts of extra goodies that we've taken and given away. Uh, different collectors, limited edition, custom made numbered book plates that are going to be autographed by me. There's all sorts of other goodies that you can get when you buy the book from beaconsofleadership.com. So be sure to go there, check it out, or order the book wherever fine books are sold. You want to order this book up. You uh, can get it right now. It just came out on October 19th, 2021. The Writing of the Gods. The Race to Decode the Rosetta Stone by Edward Dolnick. He's going to be joining us today to talk about uh, all the cool stuff that uh, went into his book and study of it. He is or was the chief science writer at the Boston Globe. He's written for the New York Times, the Washington Post, the Atlantic, and many others. And he's written declaimed books on a wide range of subjects, including art forgery, Isaac Newton, and the Scientific Revolution. His newest book is The Writing of the Gods, the one we just mentioned. And welcome to the show, Edward. Thanks for coming by. How are you? Oh, I'm doing pretty well. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm running a podcast. How are you doing? No, I'm just kidding. 
<laughs> so welcome to the show. Congratulations on the new book. Give us your uh, dot coms or wherever you want people to go pick up this fine. It's easiest to get at Amazon or at a, your local bookstore. I've heard of that um, Amazon. To learn about me, I'm at edwarddolnick.net. Ah, there we go. edwarddolnick.net. Go ahead and look them up, guys. Uh, so this book came out, and uh, what motivated you to write this book? The Rosetta Stone is about how you read hieroglyphics in, mm. in Egypt. That was this giant mystery, and they solved it. And, and that the solution to that deciphering mystery is the greatest coup in deciphering. There's been all kinds of enigma mysteries and wartime codes and things like that. Code-breaking stories are always great. And this was the biggest and the most important of them all. Egypt had been the most important country in the world for 30 centuries in the ancient world. America's hoping to get to three centuries. And all that time, nobody knew what was going on there. Nobody could read what they'd written about themselves. And finally, it got figured out. And so this book is about how you did that decoding. And it's quite a yarn. And it's one of the most famous objects in the world? Yeah, it is this super famous thing, although lots of people don't know what it is. It's, uh, it looks like a headstone in, in a mm -hmm. graveyard. It's a big hunk of rock about four feet tall. And, and uh, what caught the eye of the first people who found it in around 1800 was that it's got different kinds of writing on it. It's got hieroglyphs at the top, which were what people wanted to understand, but no one could read. And then it has some weird squiggles in the middle section. And then at the bottom, there's Greek, which people mm -hmm. did know how to read. Yeah. And so what they saw right away when they saw this, why would you write three things on one stone, three different messages, unless it was the same message written three different ways. And uh -huh. so the Rosetta Stone was going to be the key, starting with Greek that you did know, to finally unlock this mystery that had uh, no one had been able to cope with for 2,000 years since Egypt fizzled out. Wow. That's pretty awesome. You write this book. Give us an overarching of the book and what goes inside of it. The deal is Egypt had this astonishing history, as I say. And in Egypt, every temple, every monument, every obelisk is covered with these hieroglyphs, this writing. Uh, it's picture writing. It looks strange. It's drawings of birds and snakes and circles and triangles. And they put it up on everything, ruled the world for, for 3,000 years, then disappeared. Nobody knew what all that was about. Centuries go by. This Egypt stays a mystery. Mm -hmm. And then in 1800, France and England, who were the two great superpowers at the time, are duking it out in Egypt. A soldier there stumbles across this giant stone, which today is called the Rosetta Stone. They notice this writing we talked about. They say, what's this? Um, and immediately, scholars all around the world try figuring it out. And they think it's mm -hmm. going to be easy. They think this will take about two weeks because here's one language we don't know. Here's the Greek we do know. We'll match them up. They thought it would take two weeks, but it took 20 years. It, it involved a race between uh, two rival geniuses, one of them French, one of them English, each of them racing for glory and uh, for their nation and for themselves, trying like mad to solve this mystery and just not able to do it. Wow. And the Egyptians lived for 3,000 years and then they just disappeared? Or they're not the Egyptians, but the... No, they, they ruled the world from about 3,000 oh, BC yeah. to about zero, from the Great Pyramid to, to Cleopatra, say. Then they're conquered, other countries take over, Egypt fades away off the world stage. Mm. Um, 
but that run they had of 30 yeah. centuries, that, that's, yeah. that's an astonishingly long time. From Cleopatra came at the end of it, say. Mm. From the beginning of Egyptian history to Cleopatra, all that time Egypt ruled the world, that was about the same as from Cleopatra to the Wright brothers. You know so, what ended yeah. the rule, don't you? <laughs> Facebook. Um, sorry, yeah. that was a long way to go to set that joke up. So that was pretty interesting. In fact, I was just reading about how Cleopatra worked with, I, I believe she worked with uh, Rome in, in trying to get all of her family wiped out. Is that true? Yeah, the Cleopatra stories are quite over the top and, and amazing. Mm-hmm. At the end of Egypt's run, first the Greeks and then the Romans come into the story. And so it becomes this tangle of empire. The Mm -hmm. reason that there was Greek on the Rosetta Stone, in fact, was that Alexander the Great, who was Greek, had come and conquered Egypt Mm -hmm. um, and and installed one of his descendants, one of his generals as a pharaoh. So all of a sudden, uh, Egypt, which had been independent, is now ruled by Greek, uh, by Greece, pharaohs, generals. Yeah, she seemed nice. I had a friend who's like, we should have rulers like her. And then I was reading about her and I'm like, yeah, she doesn't seem like she's really that cool. She like gets the Romans to kill off all of her family and crap. And you're just like, we're impressing them. And you're just like, wow. Yeah. This, I thought my family had issues. Wow. Yeah. There's, there's no, no levels of, of over the top self-indulgence and, and power madness uh, to compare with Egypt. You know, the, the, <laughs> the pyramids say, which was built as a monument by the Pharaohs. It, it was, it's about 40 stories tall, the, the tallest of the pyramids. And, and it, it it's made of big stone blocks, about chest high and as wide as you can spread your arms, thousands and thousands of them to build it. And this is just because a pharaoh says, I want this uh, is a tribute to me. It, it took uh, people working day and night, shoving those stones in place uh, 20 years without let up. Wow. And I thought my job at Amazon was hard. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you did didn't want a, that. You didn't did want. Did they that. get a pee bucket too? Amazon? No, I'm just kidding. Wow, with the Amazon jokes. I'm going to lose the Amazon crowd, which we probably won't. Anyway, they they know what we're talking about. So you detail this 20 year run that they these guys go on competing for the prize. Yeah, what what happens is England and France are, are the great superpowers. They're fighting all over the world, including in Egypt. When they do fight in Egypt, this is Napoleon's army. So they start off. Great, the French do, but the, and it's the French who find the Rosetta Stone, but the English end up conquering the French. The English say to France, the, the trophies you found here, we'll take those. Thank you very much. <laughs> and so to this day, the Rosetta Stone is in the British Museum uh-huh. in London, and it's the most popular exhibit at that museum, and it has been ever since they found it. It's the most visited. The gift shop has Rosetta Stone postcards and mouse pads and and school books and notepads and everything you can think of. It's it's like the Mona Lisa is in Paris. The the Rosetta Stone is in London. I thought the most visited thing in museums in France was a white surrender flag. But I could be wrong. I don't know. <laughs> now we just lost the French crowd. I'm really running it today. This is really interesting because I always heard about it. And I never really knew much about it. And then I always heard about the Rosanna Stode software program for doing stuff. Do they use, what was the people need to buy the book and read if they really want to find out some of the tricks and tips? But anything you want to tease out maybe on how they were working to solve the mystery or solve the mystery or 
Anything you want to tease readers with? If you think about it, it's actually it, it's actually amazing that they were able to figure it out at all, even mm-hmm. in twenty years. If you think of looking like at a Chinese restaurant, say at the um, Chinese writing that's next to the English, sometimes, mm-hmm. and think if somebody said, "Okay, we'll take away the English. How are you gonna How are you gonna work that out?" That would be really hard, and, and it would be especially hard if you didn't if you didn't know Chinese or didn't know anyone you could talk to who, who could explain it and think how hard it would be. Not only if you didn't know Chinese, but if no one in the world knew it, if it was a dead language and had been dead for 2000 years. Mm -hmm. So what these guys had to do was look at this, these hieroglyphs, the snakes and the owls and all that kind of writing. No one had been able to read it since about the year zero. They're trying to to sort it out with no idea of how it sounds. And so it's an astonishingly complicated job to sort it out. What they did is look for words that they knew were in the Greek because they could read the Greek, like king and pharaoh and things like that. And they'd say, that pops up all the time. And let me find a string of symbols that pop up all the time in the hieroglyphs. Maybe those are these same important words like king or pharaoh. So that was the first thing they did. They tried to make a guess. The the Greek talks about the pharaoh at the time, whose name was Ptolemy, that mm. talks about him over and over. So they say somewhere in these hieroglyphs, it must correspond to the name Ptolemy. And they make a guess about which are those. And then mm. they have a start. Huh. So they they were like looking for phrases, maybe combinations of words that were phrases. Yeah, but it's harder than that even Mm. because the hieroglyphs, they're just one after the other, a snake, then a rock, then a star. You don't even know where the words start and stop. Mm. Um, Imagine if you were, if it was thousands of years in the future and nobody remembered about English anymore and nobody was even sure if there once had been a United States, maybe Wait, we're almost there now. So imagine somebody in those, in that future archeologist or something, finding this bit of rock with some marks on it that, that maybe they were letters. And even if you managed to sound them out, you wouldn't know what those corresponded to. If English had died out and you sounded out even k, a, t, cat, how would you ever guess that those sounds pronounced together meant a little animal with whiskers? And yeah. it's a really hard problem. Let's see. You probably can't tell us how it turns out in the end. Someone wins, clearly. What's fun is that these two geniuses are, are knocking heads with each other. They're trying to be the first for their own glory, for national glory. Mm-hmm. They're making progress along the way. Everybody knows that whoever solves this, there's going to be just enormous acclaim and fame. These rival geniuses who have nothing in common, in fact, they're almost opposites. The Englishman was a was an all-around genius and aloof and snooty and high-toned. The Frenchman only cared about Egypt, nothing else in the world. Um, but he was brilliant, too. They're both terrific at languages. The Englishman is great at everything he turns his attention to. The Frenchman is great at this one issue of the ancient world. They're knocking heads. They're going at it. And yeah, in the end, one of them wins. Nice. 20 years. That's a maddening amount of time to spend trying to decipher communication it took me that long to figure out what my girlfriend meant by the word fine and no you go out with your friends in fact they still think we're i think the jury's still out on some of that i don't know 
But we need a Rosetta Stone for women. That might be good. But no, this is uh, pretty cool. It's amazing how many people really like it and follow it there in the British Museums. Anything else you want to tease out on the book and what people should know about it? The fun of the story, it's about how they did the deciphering. And, and what's neat, people always like decoding and deciphering stories, World War II and spies and things like that. But most of those stories are actually really hard, like Enigma. That was the Nazis' uh, code-making machine in World War II. The Allies broke it. That was Alan Turing. And that helped win the war for the Allies, that success. But what he did as important as it was, is really hard to understand. It's a mathematical thing, and it's it's uh, terrific that he did it, and we might not be here if he hadn't, but just to understand exactly what he did is very difficult. But the hieroglyphs are pictures, and it's an accessible mystery, and, and you really can understand what these guys do. And, and part of the fun of the book is you dive into this, and it's like Saul Crossword or a Sudoku or something. It's not uh, impossibly difficult. It's mm. it's really this clever mystery, and they make guesses, and they see things, and they race off, and then they crash into a wall because they guessed wrong, and they start over, and they get it wow. right this time. So how do they know when they finally get it right? I, I think that you might be able to tell us. Like, how do how, what sort of combo do they know? Like, just it reads like a proper text when they finally solve it, or how well, do they know? Well, it's like a crossword puzzle. If you've guessed some answer in a crossword, I don't know, Chicago, if you think that's the answer going across to certain mm -hmm. clues, and now you try some verticals and it lines up with those letters in Chicago, you can be pretty sure that you were on the right track. So what they did is try to they figure out that first name, Pharaoh, uh, Ptolemy of a Pharaoh. And so they had a guess that a lion stands for the letter L and a snake stands for the letter B, that kind of thing. And then they found something else that they thought was about Cleopatra because mm. of where they found it. And Cleopatra has a bunch of letters in common with Ptolemy. They both have mm. a T and they both have an O and they both have an L. And so they said, if we were right in our first guess, which hieroglyphs corresponded to Ptolemy, then we should be able to test our theory on this new name, Cleopatra, that has a bunch of the same letters. Mm. Uh, and, and so they did. The letters that overlapped, it fit. And then that lets you fill in a few new letters. And with those new letters, you can move on to new words and, and try it like that. Yeah. Kind it's of, like kind total, of like crosswords. Yeah. It's code breaking, basically. It, uh, it is code breaking. Great thing here on the screen from Lou Kerr. Hello from Cincinnati, Ohio. Started reading this yesterday afternoon and recommending it to all my friends and love a good read. How's that for a great show? Well, there right you go. There, right there on the show. Thanks, Lou, for uh, chiming in there. Yeah, really good to see you. Yeah, that's there. There you go. That's uh, you've got the Lou endorsement. Once you got the Lou endorsement, you're right. you're set for life. And uh, probably New York Times bestseller at this point, on its way. If it wasn't already, was it a New York Times bestseller? I, I don't know if I. It's a number one bestseller in ancient Egyptian history. That's for darn sure. Anything else you want to plug out on the book before we go, Edward? No, but if you, the point of this book is that it's it is fun. It's a race. It's exciting. It's a mystery. This is. As far as could be from homework, if you dive in, you'll you'll be solving one of the great mysteries of the ages. There you go. There you go. Now, if we can just get that whole figure out what women's communication are, well, that should be next. Anyway, I'm just doing jokes, people. So, Edward, thank you for coming on the show. We certainly appreciate it. Thank you for being here. My pleasure. Thanks very much.
There you go. Give us your plugs so that people can find you on those interwebs. EdwardDalmick.net. There you go. There you go. And uh, guys, order up the book wherever fine books are sold. Remember, stay out of those alleyways, those dark alleyways with those dark book guys that have the little capes and they go, yeah, I want to buy a book. And you want to be careful. There's usually needles in those alleyways. You want to go to where fine books are sold and pick up The Writing of the Gods, The Race to Decode the Rosetta Stone, October 19th, just came out, 2021. Thanks, my honest, for tuning in. Be sure to go to YouTube.com for just Chris Voss. You can see the free version of this uh, broadcast. All the versions are free. I don't know why I said that. Uh, You can go to Goodreads.com for just Chris Voss, uh, YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, wherever the kids are playing and doing all their crazy stuff online. Thanks for tuning in. Be good to each other, and we'll see you guys next time. So we're excited to announce my new book is coming out. It's called Beacons of Leadership, Inspiring Lessons of Success in Business and Innovation. It's going to be coming out on October 5th, 2021. And I'm really excited for you to get a chance to read this book. It's filled with a multitude of my insightful stories, lessons, my life, and experiences in leadership and character. I give you some of the secrets from my CEO Entrepreneur Toolbox that I use to scale my business success, innovate, and build a multitude of companies. I've been a CEO for, uh, what is it, like uh, 33, 35 years now. We talk about leadership, the importance of leadership, how to become a great leader, and how anyone can become a great leader as well. So you can pre-order the book right now wherever fine books are sold, but the best thing to do on getting a pre-order deal is to go to beaconsofleadership.com. That's beaconsofleadership.com. On there, you can find several packages you can take advantage of in ordering the book. And for the same price of what you can get it from someplace else like Amazon, you can get all sorts of extra extra goodies that we've taken and given away. Uh, Different collectors, limited edition, custom-made numbered book plates that are going to be autographed by me. There's all sorts of other goodies that you can get when you buy the book from beaconsofleadership.com. So be sure to go there, check it out, or order the book wherever fine books are sold.